Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome to yet another episode, episode 8th, the August episode of Mario's Minute. In case you do not know, this is a solo or sometimes guest-accompanied podcast that I end up doing where I just talk about whatever I want to. It kind of started off with the basis of the rest of the month is pretty much dedicated on my channel to, you know, mostly it seems tech-related, modding-related videos. I don't really interject my personality all too much or any personal views into there all too much, really, for the most part. Not like I used to, really, when I was doing commentaries and such. Uh, And then we have Mod Chat, and I was thinking I want to do something that is kind of commentary based, uh, but it's not going to be that. It's not going to be, you know, the old format of gameplay commentary. And I just want it to be one video of the month. So this is a podcast first and foremost, but yeah, this is kind of just imagine a long drawn out commentary, which isn't that what a podcast is? It's really podcasts came first and then video gameplay commentaries came second and commentaries just felt like smaller, they just felt like the sectioned off versions of podcasts. So that's kind of how this all came to fruition. But anyways, again, this is monthly. It comes out the last Wednesday of every single month. It is available on my YouTube channel here, Mr. Mario 2011, as well as major podcasting platforms and apps. So it is available all over the place. But anyways, I wanted to do a solo episode this month. I know if you had listened to this ep- this podcast last month, I had said that, hey, I want to get better with, you know, having guests, doing solo stuff, so I'm going to plan to alternate. Uh, one month be solo, one month be guest, one month solo, one month guest, and just go back and forth. I already broke that. Look, I said it out loud, I already broke it. But there's a good reason as to why I'm doing that. Uh, The reason why I did not stick to it immediately is because uh, some cool stuff was happening this month, stuff that I wanted to talk about, stuff that is personal for me, and I didn't feel like it would be fair to have a guest on where I would just be talking about this stuff and either I would overshadow the guest with my experiences or I wouldn't get to talk about them as much as I wanted to. So, you know, honestly, okay, hey, it's a bit of a selfish thing. Uh, But next month, I definitely do want to have a guest on, so do bank for that. But anyways, what I'm going to be talking about here is I have, you know, a few topics on hand. And the first one is the big one here. And, And the way I'm going to be essentially presenting this is I have a whole lot of photos of what was going on with this, and just on my screen, at least, uh, while I'm recording, I'm going to be looking at the photos, so it's like jogging my memory back, and I can kind of tell you all what was going on, Uh, but I ended up going on a big trip. I've traveled a few times this past summer, but I ended up traveling to Seattle. So for me, this was exciting because uh, there's a ton of companies there. It's just a place I've wanted to go for a while. And it's kind of been in the back of my head. And I wouldn't say it was something like on my bucket list, but it's definitely a place where I said, oh, I'm definitely going to go to Seattle sometime. I really want to go there. I guess that's on a bucket list. I'm not sure. However he wants to take a look at it. I ended up going there. It was myself and my girlfriend. And she was wanting to check out some other places in the U.S. And... I had never been to Seattle, she had never been there, and we were thinking of places to go, and it was just one night randomly, I remember I was in my kitchen, and Seattle came to mind, and it just was really shining, and I went downstairs, and I was like, hey, what are your thoughts on Seattle? And she's like, hey, that 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 sounds cool, like, why? And I just, because I'm, I'm thinking maybe we should go there for our summer vacation, what do you think? And she agreed, so shortly after, we ended up uh, booking it, buying tickets, we did Airbnb, and we were good to go. And this was definitely a first for me. Uh, For one, it is definitely 
the biggest trip I've taken with my girlfriend. Uh, we've traveled, you know, other places like a few hours, like, you know, an hour this way, three hours driving, eight hours driving. Uh, but this is definitely the longest to the point, you know, where we were flying and all that. Uh, on top of that, this is the first time where I had gone somewhere, uh, without any sort of destination or any sort of goal in mind. Uh, for example, when I had gone to Canada a few times by myself, that was really cool. Uh, but I think the first time I went by myself, yeah, I was like, you know what, I'm coming up here for friends, we're just gonna hang out, have a good time. But like my big goal was I want to meet these friends, I want to meet my online friends. The second time I ended up going by myself was last summer. Yeah, it was last summer. And that was for uh, one of my friend's weddings. So I said, you know what? The goal is wedding. That's what I'm going for. And I actually, I didn't even really tell anyone else I know up there that I was going. I literally just told the family who had the wedding, uh, they were like the only ones I was telling. Because I was like, yeah, I don't want to be, you know, distracted and be drawn all other places and feel like I have to be everywhere like I was the first time. I'm here for, you know, a, a ceremonious once-in-a-lifetime event. Uh, that's why I wanted to come. But this time, literally no goal. Aside from we wrote down things that we wanted to see, like a bunch of places that we were wanting to check out or businesses that we were wanting to visit. But aside from that, it was still pretty aimless. Like it was the type of thing where we would just go to an area of town and just walk around for hours and hours on end. Uh, I think one of my favorite things was on Monday, we took a bus to downtown and we spent an entire business day there. We spent like eight or nine hours just aimlessly wandering around downtown, checking out all these places, checking out the food, checking out, you know, all the shops and attractions and such. And that was just such a good day. But either way, uh, we ended up deciding on that. So we flew out. We were gone for about a week or so. And th the other thing that I had not done was I did not drive at all. And we did not rent a car. We didn't do any of that stuff. Uh, we relied solely on Uber, walking, and public transportation. And the public transportation was, we took the monorail one time, we took uh, the bus quite a bit, and we took the UV light rail uh, quite a few times, which is really cool. Uh, and it was so much cheaper that way as well, because when I looked into it all, I think I myself spent, because I, I covered the Ubers, mind you, but Uber plus all the public transit, I spent maybe, I don't know, $300. I'm just going to, you know, put it around there. Uh, the entire week I was there on all of our movement. While as if I end up renting a car, first of all, I was advised that driving can be a nightmare during the day in Seattle. I was also told parking is going to be an issue because, you know, big city. But then on top of that, I just kind of thought, you know, I don't want to deal with the headache of all this. And then I priced it out and it was going to be like eleven or twelve hundred dollars to rent a car for that time period. And I was like, no, 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 absolutely not. Uh, this is a big city that has public transit going. I want to experience this. I feel like that would be a good way to experience and check out the city. It also would be so much cheaper. We'd also never done Airbnb. So we ended up staying. Uh, it wasn't in a house, but it wasn't inside of like a shared communal area either. Uh, essentially, this guy, he owned a house, he owned property, but he had like a little kind of like nice shack that was pretty inhabitable and had amenities. And I think the only thing it didn't really have was air conditioning, which is okay because it's obviously cooler in Seattle. And we just end up opening the windows, running a fan. And by like 10 or 11 p.m., it was really nice and cool. So 
that's how we were doing it there. Going through an Airbnb was, you know, a, a more personal, a more laid back experience than a hotel. And pro, I'm, I mean, for what we were getting to for like the nice amenities, it was definitely cheaper than what it was. And it was more comfy. So that was also a nice experience as well. Definitely recommend Airbnb if you're going to be traveling somewhere. But in regards to, you know, checking out everything, uh, the way I end up doing travels and such, uh, if it's up to me, I like to check out shops. I like to kind of just experience the area, experience the city itself overall. So, for example, I did a my re- most recent episode now of Thrifty Gaming Pickups. I got a bunch of stuff from Seattle, like games, uh, a game console, some accessories, all that stuff. And I did not go to Seattle just to shop, mind you. I, I didn't just go to shop. But what ended up happening was uh, we would look at shops. Like I'd say, hey, there's this shop around the area. Let's check it out. And then on the way, there's like five or six things we want to see. And then we end up stumbling upon uh, a bunch of different, uh, I, is it not, it's not, mo- I guess one of them would be a monument. Like, for example, uh, I'll just throw this here. Like, we were wanting to see the Fremont Troll, which we did. So on the way there, like, we were going to other places and checking out other things. And it's like, oh, hey. The Fremont Troll is five minutes away. Do you want to just see it here? Cary Park, that's the other one. We were in the area there. I think we were like 10 minutes away. And we were like, oh, one of our drivers told us that we should check out Cary Park. We're about a 10, 15 minute walk away. Do you want to check it out? So we got to see it anyways. It was great. Although Seattle's a really densely packed city, the cool thing about it is it's also small for what it is too. Like actual Seattle feels pretty small i'll be honest like it has it's very densely densely packed it has a ton of shops a ton of businesses a ton of population in there but there's a whole lot of there's just a general seattle area uh like for example i I guess for me whenever i would think of seattle i would think of microsoft but microsoft is not in seattle microsoft is in redmond we did end up seeing the Microsoft campus as well, too. I actually have a friend of mine who works there, so we were able to uh, check out at least, you know, some of the other areas there. He was able to give us, like, a little small tour. We were able to eat lunch there. We were able to um, see Studio D, just like the entrance area of it. Uh, just some things that you can't normally check out. But uh, we did go to the main thing was the visitor center, which I do recommend people check out. That is completely open to the public. So the campus, you can walk around it as well, too. The campus is huge because it feels like a city on its own. It's insane. And I'll tell you this outside of the Redmond campus, uh, well, outside the Microsoft Redmond campus, there's nothing that's super crazy that you can go and check out. Like, there's there's nothing touristy. When we were checking out Redmond, I kind of even exclaimed out loud. I was like, you know, there's this place is not fun to visit. Uh, Redmond is a good place to work. It's a very good place to live. Like, if you're working at Microsoft and you live, like, a mile or two away from it, Redmond is great. You know, you end up going to work easy enough. The campus is huge. You can get food at a ton of different places. If you need to get some grocery shopping done, awesome, and then you can head home. But for any touristy attractions, absolutely not. Redmond is not for that. So, kind of just want to give the heads up. Some people might be saying, well, duh, obviously. Look, I was kind of going in blind with this as well, too. So, that was a little bit of a surprise to me. But no, the the campus was really dope. My... (sighs) 
my highlight was definitely, I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but my highlight was definitely, if you can get into Studio D, the original the original figures and sets and everything used in the Halo 3 Believe ad campaign are on display there. And I, I could have cried seeing those. Like, that just, oh man, that just hit me. I took some photos of them as well, too. They were really awesome, but there was that. And then the Visitor Center, I recommend if you're in the area, go check it out. Uh, it's pretty cool as well, too, because they have, you know, some really cool game demos and all that. I didn't check those out because I didn't, I didn't really mind that. Uh, they have, I believe, the biggest Microsoft store is inside of the visitor center. You can take a photo with the Microsoft sign that's outside. Uh, and then on top of that, you can see the original, original Xbox. And I'm not talking about just a OG Xbox. I'm not talking about the Xbox One. I'm not talking about the original Xbox. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the original, like the giant, I think it's made out of aluminum, the giant aluminum X-shaped xbox the one that was initially premiered to the public granted this was not going to be making it out into people's uh, home theaters and people's living rooms and bedrooms but the original xbox just the giant x-shaped metal console you can see there i have no idea if it works or not but it was so cool to be just you know just a few inches from that that was awesome they also have a bunch of other things that you can check out as well too there um but that's probably the most touristy thing, I would say, in Redmond, if you go there. The funny thing is with it all as well, too, is when I was looking at the Microsoft store, there was I didn't buy anything, and I think the stuff that I was really attracted to the most was the Xbox-branded stuff. And I didn't pick up any of that because I was like, you know what, it's all, it's all Xbox One stuff, and I'm not crazy about the xbox one if it was xbox 360 i'd probably be a lot happier and i'd probably pick up some stuff but no i didn't get anything the funny thing was though with that the, the thing that i thought was hilarious was they just had they had every they had xbox branded frisbees they had xbox logo fidget spinners they just had stuff with their logos on there that you could buy and trust me People were buying it up. People were gobbling all this stuff up. So I would say it's stupid, but at the same time, they're making it. And I feel like a lot of the allure is, oh my God, I, I went all the way to Redmond and I went to Microsoft's campus and I ended up getting this Xbox One branded Frisbee from the Microsoft store that is on Microsoft's campus. I, I feel like they're able to get people with that. It wasn't working on me, all right? No, 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 Microsoft. It was not working on me. I don't, I really don't need an Xbox logo Frisbee. <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that, that was it for that at least. I thought that was all really cool. Some of my favorite shops as well, too, I was checking out was I wanted to check out the game stores that were available, of course. So I ended up going to uh, both Pink Gorilla locations. Now, if that sounds familiar at all, you might be subscribed to Metal Jesus Rocks. And he is in Seattle. I did not see him, unfortunately. I didn't even hit him up. Like He doesn't know who I am. But I did not see him. I didn't see uh, the person I'm about to talk about here, Kelsey. He has Kelsey on his channel quite a bit. She is one of the co-owners of Pink Gorilla Games, and that's how I had found out about this place from his channel. Unfortunately, I did not see her. I thought it would have been really cool to see her, but I didn't, but oh well. 
But we end up going to the International District one first, which is in this like small dinky building. And it's definitely a very small shop location, but it was cool. They have just a ton of import stuff, which the thing that was just going over my head until I actually got there was Pingarilla. Yeah, they do have stuff from the U.S. They have quite a bit of games, consoles, everything like you, you can go in there and buy and sell American games just fine. But they are also, they advertise straight up that they are a import store. And they do it quite well, too. Like, for example, every single section, you'll see, like, if you go to the PlayStation section, they have the import games with the North American games. But they have all the North American games clumped together, and they have all the import games clumped together. So we end up checking that out. The cool thing was they were... The guy there, Lane, shout out to Lane, he was awesome for this one. Uh, we were walking there, and about five minutes before we got there, I was wearing my PlayStation 1 messenger bag. It is a messenger bag that looks like an original PlayStation, and the strap ended up breaking on it. And I was just, I was disappointed. My girlfriend got it for me for Christmas as well, too, so she was just like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm like, well, it's not your fault. But I mean, like, look at this strap. Like, they they really cheaped out on this. Uh, shout out to Lane over at that location. Uh, I ended up asking him. I was like, hey, do you guys have, like, a Guitar Hero strap I can buy for, like, five bucks? And can you help me get it on here? And he said, no, but uh, hold on. Let me try something. And he ended up putting two zip ties on it, ended up fixing it. Guess what? That thing, uh, I took it all across Seattle, all over the place, all over the suburbs, brought it back home. Those two... The, <laughs> Those two zip ties are still doing the job just fine. At one point, I'll replace a strap, but for now, it's working quite well. So we end up going there. Uh, we also checked out the University District location, which that is the one. If you can only choose one, that is the one you should go to. That's the bigger one. That's the one that has more of the inventory. That's the one that you'll see on Metal G's Rocks videos, at least most of the time. That's the one that has all the attractions as well, too. It just it, it has more of the floor real estate, so they can put more stuff in there and make it cooler and all that. So... I would definitely recommend checking those out. Uh, we end up going to another Castle Video Games, which they, they have two locations. And I went to the one that was on the highway, which I thought this was just stupid because I thought the store was awesome. In fact, I, I'll probably say that was my favorite store. There's not all too many, you know, mom-pop game shops there, at least from what I noticed. Uh, we were hitting up thrift shops, though, and those were cool, but, but. Uh, we end up going to uh, another castle, and it's a big shop because half of it is an arcade. The other half of it is the actual game shop, and they also have you know they have tons and tons of games. They also have imports as well too. Uh, they have good deals on all their stuff. But the problem I had was that we took a bus there, and it took like an hour to get there. And then when we got there. The bus put us across the street, which across the street means across the highway. So I'm just like, no, 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 I'm not crossing this. I'm not jaywalking this highway. I am absolutely not doing that. So we ended up having to walk all the way up to where the first streetlight was to take a sidewalk. And then we took the sidewalk and then walked back the same distance. And that was like probably half or three fourths of a mile right there. So that was kind of frustrating where it's like, oh, my God, the bus stop is right here. But we're going to have to wait about 20 more minutes to get to the store. So that was my only qualm about it. Uh, definitely getting it up there if you're taking public transportation. Takes a hot minute. And then 
<laughs> you end up on the opposite side if you're taking the bus. But either way, uh, it was definitely cool checking that store out as well. Uh, I end up meeting one person up there. I end up meeting Kiwi Dog, uh, who's been a friend of the show on Mod Chat. Uh, he ended up, he is in the Seattle area. And initially, when I had put this out on Twitter, uh, I ended up, uh, like, I was asking about some stuff with Seattle, and I was saying, hey, you know, yeah, we might be planning this. And he hit me up in the DMs, and he's like, yo, dude, uh, if you come to Seattle, hit me up. And I was like, absolutely, absolutely, I will. So I've talked with him several times. We end up, you know, actually meeting there. uh, When we end up going to the University District uh, Pink Gorilla, so... That was cool. I I always enjoy meeting people like that. So he was definitely an awesome guy. Is an awesome guy because he's 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 still with us. <laughs> but uh, we ended up checking out together. We saw a uh, pink gorilla. We ended up seeing a Goodwill as well too, uh, and another game music shop. Overall, the music shops in Seattle are amazing. It's like something plucked straight out of the mid to late 90s. It's I just I absolutely love that. Of course, you know, they have newer stuff in there, but it's all cool with that. Uh, in that music shop, we actually end up seeing a piece of dev hardware. This is the only piece of development hardware that we saw out in the wild, and it looked to be like a Xbox 360 stress kit of some kind, but that was cool to see. It was the one where it was in rough condition, and it had some wires sticking up out the top. Um... But yeah, no, that was just cool to see. And of course, like, I see it with none other than Kiwi, who he's worked on the Xbox, the Xbox 360. He's doing work on PS4, and I I believe he's starting to dabble in Switch stuff. Uh, But it was funny, just because when we walked in the store, he's like, oh, dev kit. (laughs) Just, like, immediately, like, the first, like, five or ten seconds. Um, But no, we end up seeing that. We went to the Goodwill. The Goodwills are on point in Seattle. Unfortunately, there was there was no dev kits there. There were not like I'm sure people would imagine there's like 20 Xboxes at every Goodwill. That wasn't true either. Uh, in fact, when the the entire time I went to a ton of Goodwills in the area, and all the consoles I saw were I saw a slim PS2, a fat PS2, an original Xbox, and another original Xbox. And over the course of a week, going to a ton of Goodwills. Uh, those are the only those are the only game consoles I saw. I was actually shocked that I didn't see more. Uh, I didn't even see an Xbox 360. But one thing, and I, I don't know what it is with Seattle people. I know this sounds negative, but it's not. It's positive. I don't know what it is with Seattle people. But for some reason, when they donate their peripherals, their controllers, all that stuff to donation centers like Goodwill or any other type of thrift shop, they're in such good condition. I don't know what it is with people in Seattle, but they actually know how to take care of their stuff. You don't see controllers that are busted. You don't see thumbsticks that are all over the place. You don't see a limited edition shiny version of a black controller because some kid end up eating fried chicken and would play with the controller and never bother to clean it properly. Like you're you're looking at controllers and peripherals that are in really solid shape, and I don't know what it is. But I was, I was just, I'm still utterly impressed at that fact that all the controllers I was seeing, I tried, I tried so hard and I mostly succeeded. I only brought like two controllers back with me, but damn, it was so hard. It was so hard to resist the temptation to just fill one of my bags with nothing but four or $5 pristine condition controllers across like all gaming platforms because they were all over the place. That was really cool to me. 
That was really cool. <laughs> I'm just kind of looking again at the photos here. Uh, if you can, check out the water taxi. That was really cool. We did not take the ferry. We ended up taking the water taxi. Uh, we checked out one of the beaches there. So we ended up driving to the beach uh, while Ubering there. And we took the water taxi back, the very last one. Uh, we ended up on Monday... Here's a tip for you all. Here's a tip for you all. We end up going to Pike Place and we checked out the public market there. And the reason why I'm saying this is a tip is because if you're on vacation there, do not go on a weekend. We actually end up walking through there on a Saturday and my God, it was cramped. What you want to do if you really want to enjoy it, get to Pike Place before 10 a.m. So get there at like 8.30, 9. People are still going to be setting up. It will be cool. It will be peaceful. Um, there's going to be some places that are busy, like some of the breakfast shops will be busy. The original Starbucks, from what I observed, is always busy. We passed by it. I took a photo of it. We did not go inside because, to me, it's it's a Starbucks. Like, they're not selling anything exclusive in there. <laughs> apparently, I was telling this to one of my friends, and apparently she said, and she had some co-workers who were in Vancouver, and then they decided to spend a day in Seattle. And, like, the one thing they did, they traveled down to Seattle and looked at the original Starbucks and checked it out and then came back up. And both of us were just like, really? Like, you're, you're just going there for the original Starbucks? I don't know. It's, it's one of those things I feel like a photo will suffice, and that's about it. <laughs> All the food there was amazing as well, too. So if you can get, you know, some local, fresh, organic, everything's organic, I, I guess it seems. Some local, fresh, organic food. Definitely recommend it. Definitely recommend indulging. I was not on my diet when I was there, by the way. I was on keto the first night I arrived. And even that, I was kind of breaking it a little bit. Like, I, I had some biscuits and I had some hash browns. But the next day, like I started off with a piece of toast and I'm like, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, we're, we're, we're doing this. We're breaking it off. <laughs> I checked out a cat cafe as well, too. Uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't cafe Meowtropolin. It was the, uh, Meowtropolitan. <laughs> that's what it's called. It's not that one. It was another one we went to and it was it was cool, it was cute, but it was low-key a little boring as well, too. Essentially what it is, is you go in there, and then you have to pay, I think it was like $10 for an hour, but by the time we got there, it was 40 minutes, because they do it in one-hour chunks, and we got there 20 minutes in, but we paid $10 to get in a room with a few people and some cats, and I believe the cats were all, it was mentioned that they were rescues as well, so they were a little bit skittish, um, but it was a cool experience nonetheless to see. So I, I like cats. I'm allergic to them. I like them though. And I was absolutely feeling the allergies. <laughs> now, maybe one of my favorite things from this trip was touring Valve. Uh, this to me was another big highlight and it was a actual tour. So uh, I, I'm just saying like, I, I'll tell you all here. I'm even thinking of like doing a tutorial video about this. Um, but first of all, you cannot just show up to Valve's offices and say, hey, I want a tour. So all those posts that you saw years ago on Reddit where it's like, yeah, I dropped by Valve and saw all this stuff. That doesn't happen. Uh, it's actually nothing. I mean, it is really cool. I don't want to downplay. It. It's really awesome. But at the same time, you also have to realize it is an office. And even the employees there are like, yeah, it's cool you want to visit us, but this is just like, this is just an office. Like, we come here, we code, and we go back home. So even they're like, they're real humbled by it. But 
you have to, first of all, email, I believe it is helpdesk at, or no, it's frontdesk at valvesoftware.com. So I end up emailing them and I said, hey, so I emailed, first of all, a few weeks in advance. I said, hey, so uh, I was wondering if it'd be possible to get a tour. It would be myself and my girlfriend. We're going to be in Seattle from this date to this date. And they end up getting back with me within a few days. One thing you have to remember is the front desk. I met the people as well, too, uh, who I was corresponding through email with. But the front desk people are also there for their job. So if you email them at 11 p.m. Pacific time, if you email them at 11 p.m. Pacific time on a Friday, do not expect a response within three hours. They will get around to it on Monday or Tuesday during their office hours. (laughs) But no... I ended up get, uh, shooting them an email. I said, hey, you know, we'd like to check out Valve. And they said, awesome. Is it just going to be you two? I said, yes. And they said, how, like, uh, how is your schedule looking like? I said, we're going to be here this date to this date. It's all open. So they ended up booking us for a Friday tour. We were with, altogether, the tour had 17 people. That was including us. So first of all, the, the only photos you can take really are going to be in the library. Not the library. What am I saying? In the lobby. That's it. Um, you can take as many photos as you want to in the lobby, but they even explicitly tell us, like, hey, when we start getting into it, please put your phones away. Uh, if you're going to take any photos, please ask, because they were mainly saying, like, one, it was confidentiality and privacy, but two, they have a lot of cool artwork, and people like to take photos of it. Some of it you're allowed to take photos of but other fo- like other pieces of artwork that they have in the offices are not fully by them they are copyrighted like they, they might have commissioned someone to do it and that person who got the commission has the copyright so they're just like look there's just some work that we have here that we cannot have circulating on social media whether it's for privacy or for copyright reasons so please ask about that. So I took a ton of photos in the lobby. Uh, the decor was really cool. I loved the theme of like, the, there's the orange accents everywhere. Um, of course there's that. And, um, there's a lot of one thing I felt was a little bit of a missed opportunity was they have a lot of swag around there too like they have um they have pillows from notable game characters they have a giant really awesome uh companion cube plushie which I end up hugging and I found out because I sent the photo I put it out on twitter of like me hugging this companion cube and I had sent it to the front desk email as a thank you. I was like, hey, thank you so much for the tour afterwards. Just wanted to let you know we really enjoyed it. Here's a photo of how much I enjoyed it. And I found out that the companion cube I hugged is the same companion cube that the voice actress for GLaDOS had hugged when she visited Valve. So I thought that was really cool. But I guess kind of like running through some facts on here as well, um, they were saying that Valve itself, like, that is their only office, that's their only headquarters. Uh, now, their data centers and such are all over the world, but for Valve headquarters, it's based out of Bellevue, Seattle. Uh, well, Bellevue, Washington, excuse me. Uh, that's where it's based out of. They don't have their own building. They are in a building with several other companies. Now, they have multiple floors in this building, but they do not own the building. They rent out of it. The building I went to... They had only been there for about a year or so, 
Oh, and the missed opportunity thing, wanted to come back to it. As I was saying, with like all the swag and cool stuff and plushies they had, none of that was for sale. I was hoping that I could buy some stuff. I was hoping I could buy maybe a Valve shirt or two, uh, but nothing. And when I even like talked to the front desk about that, they were just like, yeah, well, we're like... We're not like we don't have a gift shop. We don't have a visitor center. We're just we're just a corporate office. <laughs> so the the best way you can get a hold of Valve branded stuff is really to I think it's the site's called like Four Fans by Fans, something like that. There is a merch website that partners directly with Valve and that's where you can buy all the stuff from. So that is the missed opportunity I was thinking of. It would have been really cool if they just had like a rack of clothes that you could purchase. I thought that would have been awesome. But yeah, as for their employees, they have they said just over 300 full-time employees there, including contract employees. They might have around 400 or so. And they said that their only other physical office is in Germany, and it's about the size of a broom closet, and they have one employee who's stationed out of there. And he rarely, rarely goes to the office. He just mostly works from home. I personally think that's probably something where they had to set up a business entity in Germany. And because of that, they had to also have a physical office in Germany. So it doesn't really matter how big or small it is. Valve has a business entity and they have a physical office located in Germany. So it works out. That, that That's how I see it, at least. Uh, one thing we end up getting to see, though, which was really cool, was also the uh the mocap room that they have now the mocap room was awesome it was just you know it had sensors and cameras all over the place they had a ton of weapons there okay quote unquote weapons uh they were fake obviously uh but they end up telling some stories to us as well too so first of all the guy who is the main tour guide he was telling us that all of this stuff had gotten moved from the previous building obviously now apparently all these weapons are very expensive and they didn't want anybody stealing them so they took all of the weapons and put them into one of the moving trucks and just piled a ton of moving blankets on top of them and then they loaded up these trucks and then they end up getting moved and then they moved everything out and all of a sudden they lost all their weapons they couldn't find them that was the only thing they really couldn't find in the move so they're trying to figure out what the hell was going on they're trying to like get all this stuff figured out here and it was about three months later, the moving company hit them up and was like, hey, um, we found a pile of weapons and it seems they belong to you. Do you know anything about this? And they're like, wait, where do you find them? And they said, oh, for some reason, they were just under a giant mountain of moving blankets. And we didn't bother to look under it until now because it was just a mountain of moving blankets. And then Valve kind of confirmed, they're like, yes, that is us, that is us, like, we took those, so they said the nice benefit is they now have double the weapons, because they needed them for mocap and development, so they ended up uh, getting, they, they bought new weapons within that three-month period, and they got their old ones back, so they have about double to play with, which is really cool with them, at least. Some of the stuff as well, too, is they are... They're extremely mobile and modular with their office spaces. So they have this thing of they want people to kind of guide themselves, to manage themselves. Now, they do have teams, but I guess not in the traditional sense. And they'll have people consistently move from game to game, from dev team to dev team, what have you. So they have all of their desks on, like all their desks are on wheels, 
and you can move them around pretty easily. So they said like, yeah, we move around so often, we have designed this, so if you need to move to another area, it's as simple as powering off your computer, unplugging your ethernet, unplugging your power cable, moving your desk over to the new area, plug in a power cable, like for your power strip, plug in your ethernet cable, turn on your computer, and you're back to work again. So I thought that was pretty cool. It seems their benefits are really nice as well, too. Like, they have a ton of food. They have a ton of catering. They have they just have a lot of fringe benefits, um, such as, like, they, they have, like, one-on-one personal training. They have their gym there. It's a really nice corporate area to work. Nothing like, nothing like that is exclusive to Valve, um, as in there's tons of companies that have things like that. But it's definitely interesting to see that, you know, employees are real happy there, and they're treated quite well with all of that. One thing you do not find out, you, you don't find out anything about new, uh, you don't go to this place to figure out news. Uh, you So if you're going there trying to figure out, you know, stuff with Half-Life 3 or C, uh, behind the scenes stuff, you're not going to be seeing it, unfortunately. Um, and the people there don't really comment on it either, and they give very neutral answers, because the problem is, uh, let's say if this happens, let's say if somebody asks, like, oh, hey, is Half-Life 3 in development, and then the guy who is the tour guide says, oh, yes, it is, but it hasn't officially been announced, that is going to go like wildfire on the internet. It's going to spread really easily, because it's a Valve employee who has essentially become a Valve representative because they said this about a Valve game in Valve while they were giving a Valve tour. So it has to be true. So they have to be very tight-lipped about things. They have to be extremely neutral when giving responses and such. One thing we were able to confirm, though, for sure, uh, somebody asked, are there any Nintendo Switch dev kits in the building? And that was a very quick no. And they said, well, wait a minute. We just acquired Campo Santo, and I believe... They're working on some Switch stuff, like porting games to Switch, but Campo Santo is not in the building, so no, no, we don't have any Switch dev kits here. Um, We were told they're working on some cool stuff. We weren't able to see it, of course, Uh, (laughs) and one of my favorite pieces of information was uh, somebody asked, what happened to Steam Boxes? And the guy who was giving the the tour guide was just like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? And he's like, yeah, well, you know, they were a thing, and they kind of died. So Tour Guide, of course, gave a very neutral answer. But the thing that made me laugh is he said, yeah, well, you know, we had our own OS, and, I mean, we pirated Linux. And I just busted out laughing. He's like, no, I mean, I'm serious. That's really what it is in the end. We we literally pirated Linux. So I thought that was quite funny and <laughs> endearing to say as well, too. But... Val was absolutely awesome. If if you have the opportunity to go, I, I would say go just because you'll just have the experience and uh, it's free. It's cool to check out. If you like games, it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, one thing, though, one one piece of advice I'll also give you all is there was one mom with her child who was there and it was really obvious just from the question she was asking. She was trying to like get her her foot in the door for her son for Valve And they want people that are really experienced. And the people who have been hired in Valve right out the gate, like out right out of college, have had a lot of experience. One of like one of the accompanying guides with us, he said he got hired right out of college. But he also said that he had like 
two or three big co-ops while he was in college. So he had very respectable long-term work experience that really proved his worth. So you have to have something like that. They're not necessarily looking for, you know, new college graduates. It's not impossible. They said they do accept applications from everyone. They're not trying to block anyone. But it is obvious that they are taking in, you know, people who are quite experienced, who can be self-starters and who really fit their criteria and who can fit in the organization's um, just their culture overall. Which seems to be a pretty awesome culture. I, I thought it was cool, but of course not. Not everyone can can function in that. So that's just kind of a heads up to you all. You can't you you cannot utilize this as a way to you know get in real quick and you know slide in your resume and start working you know the next day or so. Uh, but if you are qualified, uh, if you are willing to you know give it a shot, if you are experienced, they said that they will wait for you. Uh, they also mentioned that there's been times where, because we asked like, okay, well, how long would you wait for someone? And I think they said like, yeah, we ended up hiring someone who was out of the country and their legal paperwork, it took like a year for it to process and get through. So we said, well, you know what the offer's on the table? Like, we're not going to resend it. We want you. We like what you do. Here's the offer you accepted. Um, let us know when your paperwork is complete and is processed through and we'll make sure you're here. So they don't force you to come like on a Monday or something like that. They're not just like, oh yeah, you're at your job right now and it's Thursday, you need to be here on Monday. No, 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 they they give you time. And I thought that was really cool as well too. I think the last thing I want to talk about in regards to this, which it was was a cool thing to say I've been here, but it was pretty disappointing, was uh, Nintendo's Nintendo of America's headquarters. I ended up checking that out as well, which if you're going to be in the area, especially Redmond, you should go there because they are, Nintendo is completely surrounded by an army of Microsoft buildings. It's just, it was so fun to see because it's like we were walking to there, Microsoft, 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 here's Nintendo, and then walking away, all Microsoft. Microsoft's campus is everywhere. So if Microsoft just wanted to gobble up Nintendo physically, they could do that. Um, but no, we ended up going there. They do have, it's cool, they have, you know, soccer fields. They have a lot of outdoor amenities. You're not allowed to actually walk there. I actually end up, I didn't know fully, and I kind of, all right. So we end up walking on the trail, and I saw in one of the windows I saw like some really cool stuff. I'm, I'm going to pull up the picture, at least look at it here. But I end up seeing a few switch boxes. I saw like a cappy cap and I end up seeing a box for um, Secret of Mana. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I took a couple pictures and this lady from like, you know, just like around the corner, she's like, what are you doing? And I just I turn around and I was just like, oh, I'm just taking a picture of that. She's like, you can't take pictures inside. And I was like, but like oh we can't and she's like no you cannot take pictures inside i was like but i'm not inside i'm outside and she she was asking why i was taking pictures and i was like because i i think that's cool like there's somebody who has some display items there out of, out of their office it, it brings a smile to my face i think it's awesome and then i was kind of like oh i didn't are we supposed to be here she said no i'm like i'm sorry i didn't know we were supposed to be here um which way do i go to exit and she just said, you know, go that way. So it was all good. It's not like the Nintendo ninjas or security were called on us. But yeah, she she had a little bit of an attitude. But at the same time, I can understand, you know, a little bit suspicious. Somebody, especially me walking around with the PlayStation bag, 
taking photos of the outside of Nintendo. You know, I can understand her concern. All right, I get it. But the reason why I say this is um, this is disappointing is you can go inside of Nintendo. And the lobby area there, I spoke with the receptionist, and she was just like, yeah, no, um, like, I asked about taking photos. She's like, well, um, you can take a photo outside if you want to, like, with the big Nintendo sign. Uh, you can take a photo of the, uh, of my desk here, and you can take a photo of this TV, and it's just playing Evo, uh, but you please cannot take a photo of anything else here, um, just, you can't. And it's not a place you can hang out. It is very much a corporate office, uh, they're not going to be rude to you unless you're doing what I did and you're like walking on the perimeter and taking pictures. If you go inside, the front desk is very nice, but it is extremely obvious that it is not a hangout spot. It is not a place where guests can just come and lounge around. And I thought that was extremely disappointing because uh, I didn't take a picture of the TVs showing Evo because that was just Evo. I did take a picture of the receptionist desks though. But the disappointing thing is the hangout area is actually really nice. Like they have a lot of furniture around there and all across the furniture, they have a ton of switches. They have a ton of 3DSs available that you could demo. I didn't even look at any of them. So I have no idea if they're retail or dev units, what have you. Um, but I thought that was disappointing. And I even asked like, hey, do you guys have like any type of visitor center or gift shop or something? And she said that like nine years ago, they had a visitor center, but they don't now. So I think that'd be a really cool thing for Nintendo to add in. But at the same time, I understand it's, it, it's a corporate office. It's it's not a hangout place. The employees are there to do work. They're not there to party it up. So I get that. <laughs> So that's been about it for me in regards to the Seattle trip. Uh, some of the other things I wanted to talk about, let's see. I'm not going to bring up this topic. I might bring that up for another one. Um, but keto. So I did mention that uh, the diet and everything, losing weight, I did mention that when I was in Seattle, I was off keto. I, you know what? I didn't really feel that much of a difference. Now, granted, I had some different, how do I say this politely? I had some some very active gastrointestinal activity that that you could smell. But uh, <laughs> I think that's just from all the junk that I was eating. Uh, but it's not like I was dramatically tired. A lot of people say, oh my god, you know, I used to be tired all the time. And I used to just like I was gaining weight. And then I started doing keto. And oh my god, I just have I have such clarity and such mental focus. And I just have infinite amount of energy and I can sleep properly. And I will say this, when I started doing keto, I noticed a boost in energy. When I got off it for that week, I did not notice a drop in energy. Uh, granted, because even though I was eating junk, I was walking. My worst day, I walked like 12,000 steps that day. My best day, I walked like 25, 26,000 steps. So I was extremely active while eating all of this junk at the same time. And by junk, I mean I'm talking like I was eating like fried foods and sandwiches and just, oh man, some delicious stuff. You know, some, oh man, it, it was good. It was good, but but going back to all this here, uh, no, I ended up, um, I didn't notice a difference with that, and I, I think I realized what happened. I, I think what really ended up happening here is that a lot of people, like if you're on there and you feel a lot better, that that is absolutely fantastic, but I've also noticed a lot of the people that say that had pretty poor diets prior to that as well too, so even if let's say you don't do keto, if you are eating McDonald's twice a day and having 
I don't know, let's say like Taco Bell for breakfast, if your diet is all fried stuff and all fast food, you're going to feel like absolute trash. And then if you decide to clean that up, like you decide to start cooking at home and you integrate fruits and vegetables into your diet and you start regulating your portion control and all that, you're going to feel a lot better. This doesn't even have to be keto. I'm just saying, if you start cooking at home, if you start putting, like, using cleaner ingredients, if you start using natural stuff, like, again, fruits and vegetables, integrate those into your diet, not just stuff that's found on a burger, then that will absolutely, like, you'll, oh, and cut out a bunch of sugar as well, too. Like, if you stop drinking soda, when you do all that, you'll end up cleaning up your intake, and you'll end up feeling quite a bit better. So that's not too surprising. Now, even even though I was, I'm defining it as junk, but even so, it's like I was eating fish. I was still eating things that are, I guess, things that are still good for you, things that you shouldn't have all the time, but you can indulge in them while you're on vacation. But it wasn't like double fried butter. Like, no, it wasn't stuff like that. Maybe like the most unhealthy thing I had was like, I had, I don't know, this like delicious, like I had like a pork katsu sandwich. That was really good. Um, fish and chips as well too, because you know, that's fried. And then, you know, you have your fries there, but that's probably like the unhealthiest stuff that I had really, which isn't even as bad as, you know, like going to, you know, just typical shady fast food joint. So I did get back onto the regiment because when I was there, I gained a few pounds, which I predicted, because again, I'm eating all this stuff. But then once you are eating carbs again, you're holding in water weight. So I gained a few pounds, I lost a few. And right now, to me, at least it's nice because I end up getting up to like 159 pounds. Right now, I'm like just over 153 pounds. Compared to last month, not gonna be the best. Because uh, I think last month when I reported in, I was like 155, 154, something like that. So some people might say, oh, what, you only lost one or two pounds during this time? Well, here's the thing. I gained a good amount, at least to me. I was still I was still normal weight. I, I did not go overweight, thankfully. Uh, but I gained a good amount, and then I lost it pretty fast. And also, I knew that I was going to be going on vacation. That's why even on last month's episode, I was like, yeah, I might be getting off keto in August, but I don't know. I might get off it in September. Because I knew something like this was going to happen. Unless it was like a miracle of some kind, but yeah. So, so far, that that is still going well. My plan is I'd like to get off it within the next two or three weeks. And at that point, I will be getting out of ketosis. I'm going to definitely, you know, be integrating carbs back into my diet. But my goal is I want to get those carbs primarily from healthy, cleaner sources. Uh, Like, I don't want to get it from soda. I want to get it from uh, fruits and vegetables. And one thing, too, I was going to say, I don't think I mentioned this on the last episode. But one thing is... People who don't even need to watch their weight are now woke about sugar. And by that, I mean one of my friends, for example, this was about a month or two ago. We were all eating lunch, and he had a Snapple with him. And he starts drinking it. He's like, ah, it's not that good. Oh, it's not even a juice. Oh, my God. Like, I don't even want to drink this anymore because I don't want to be drinking 56 grams of sugar. (laughs) So stuff like that, like it made me laugh, but I also kind of like realized like, wow, people are really, it seems like they're more conscious of what they're putting into their system. They're a little more woke with that. People are realizing that, hey, this drink doesn't need to have 60 grams of sugar in it. I think one of the things to me that is disturbing with 
what has a lot of sugar in it. And just the next time you end up seeing a package, just flip it around, look at the nutritional facts and check. Beef jerky, for some reason, so many, like most of the brands of, of beef jerky out there have sugar in them. I'm not even talking something sweet like teriyaki flavored beef jerky. I'm talking regular stuff, just like regular original flavor beef jerky will have like nine or 10 grams of sugar to it. And I don't know why. It, it doesn't need it. I actually have jerky that does not have any carbs to it. It doesn't have any added sugar to it. And it tastes delicious. In fact, I think it tastes better than the stuff that does have sugar in it. I don't really want my meat to be sweet, okay? I, I don't really want that. But that's one thing that has really blown my mind with this when I'm paying more attention to this. I'm just like, why does, why does jerky, unless it's like a teriyaki flavor, I understand, but why does original jerky need to have sugar added to it. <sighs> I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> there, there's one more thing I want to talk about here, and then I'm going to get into, you know, the games I'm playing, which I'll even talk about the game real quick. I normally talk about the games that I'm playing currently um, throughout the, uh, was it like during the podcast when I'm on here? And what was the game that I ended up beating this month? We ended up be- beating The Walking Dead Season 2 which was great. Uh, we've been going through all these other games, like all of these, um, what is it? Uh, all the Telltale games. I think, I don't think I did it last month, I want to say. But yeah, I ended up beating Walking Dead Season 1 with my girlfriend, Night in the Woods by myself, which was fantastic, and I want a physical copy of that. And then Walking Dead Season 2. Uh, I believe uh, the last frontier, like walking dead, the last frontier or something like that. I believe that is technically season three. And then the final season, that's the name of the new one that just started. That is season four, as I understand. So those are the ones I've been playing, but real quick on that. (laughs) The last thing I want to talk about here, the the last topic I have is, um, Xbox all access. I kind of want to talk about my thoughts on this. So Xbox All Access ended up just getting announced, uh, let's see, just a few days ago. And right now, the details we have on it are customers will be able to pay around $22 a month and net themselves an Xbox One S, Xbox Live, and Xbox Game Pass for two years. Around $35 will net them an Xbox One X. I I find this a little bit funny. This is from Windows Central, and I've made that mistake for so long, just saying N-Xbox. You're supposed to say A-Xbox, just with the way English works. But N-Xbox, I don't know, it it seems to fit. I I don't know, even though it's not proper. (laughs) But either way on here, I didn't really price out the Xbox One S. I priced out the One X, because my thing is, if you're going to get one, you should get one with the more power. And I had said on Twitter that it's not terrible. Essentially, what's going on here is Xbox Game Pass is $10 a month, so that's $120 a year, and that's the Netflix of video games for Microsoft. So you pay $10, you have a collection of games that you have access to, that you can download, that you can play for as much as you want to, as long as you have an active subscription. Once that subscription is dead, you have to renew it in order to play those games again. So that's how Xbox Game Pass works. And it's a really good deal, too, because Microsoft has even said that all of our first-party titles will be available day one when they come out in the future on Xbox Game Pass, including, like, Halo 6, for example, Sea of Thieves, the first day it came out, Xbox Game Pass. So now at this point, for the price of two full-priced games, you can 
play a unlimited amount of games in this library for a year, which I, I think that's a really cool service to have. I don't know how sustainable it is, but I mean, you have Microsoft bankrolling it, so I guess it works out. And then Xbox Live, that's another, if you're going to pay full price, uh, $60 a year. So you're looking at $180 a year alone in services, plus the Xbox One X console, that's going to be $500. So when I had added all of this up, it ended up being $840 before any taxes. So for the game console, plus the two years of Xbox Live at full price, plus the two years of Xbox Game Pass at full price, it ended up being $840. You actually end up saving $20 in the long run because buying all that separately at once will cost you cost you $860. So cool, that works out. I guess if you're going to be one of those people who you want, like for example, if you need a Xbox and all that now, you don't need it, but if you need it right now for some reason, uh, this works out. It seems to be okay. It's just it's just a contract deal. It's like with a cell phone or anything else. I personally wouldn't do it because I would prefer, especially game systems, dude, like game systems, and I even do this with phones, I prefer to just buy them outright and then pay for the service that I use. Um, I don't I don't want to take a lease out on hardware. <laughs> I, I only, I would rather, I would rather go into debt over something I pay property tax on. Because um, even like credit cards, for example, like my credit card debt is just, it, it's my statement balance because I pay my credit card statements off every month so therefore it's going to be same as cash except at that point you're gaining you know rewards and such through that so you're actually saving in the long run which helps out but for this here's the thing i think instead of people hopping on this i think this is a nice alternative and out that's available but if you're going to be able to let's say you want to xbox one x and you want to get all this if you can afford to pay 35 dollars a month for two years doing this you can afford to stash away $35 a month to save up to eventually get it. Because here's the thing, um, Xbox Game Pass, I've seen multiple deals and promotions for it that bring it to well below its $10 a month asking price. Xbox Live, it's $60, but quite a bit, I see it for $40, $45, $50 a year. You just have to look out for the deals. The Xbox One X, look out for deals as well, too. Hell, get one used if you want to. Uh, I myself, I actually got mine new. I got it through a eBay deal where eBay ended up having a coupon that was running, and I used that coupon to get a Xbox One X brand new with a brand new second controller shipped to me for $360. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not kidding on that price. $360. For a brand new Xbox One X with a second brand new controller. Like, that is a hell of a good deal right there. And I didn't go out and get an Xbox One X on launch. I didn't run to the store to get one. I just waited and sat and I waited for the the proper deal to come about. Because I had a few reasons for wanting one, but I said, well, this isn't $500 worth of reasons. But I just waited until I saw a good deal and I'm happy I did. Because... I realized if I bought the One X on launch, I I didn't have a desire to try it out or really play around with it. I did try it out at my friend's house, but even when it first came out, there there wasn't anything that was super impressive at the beginning, you know? And I knew that was going to happen because of the PS4 Pro. I did get a PS4 Pro on launch because I prefer the PS4 the PS4 myself. Um, that is my preferred 
console game system aside from the Switch. Like if I have to pick something that's not portable, that's going to be my main choice to go to. Um, but in regards to that, no, like even I myself, I noticed some differences, but I was like, yeah, this is not worth it yet. But in the next few months when games start being patched and it takes advantage of this, it will be worth it. But I want to get it because, hey, I want it now. I was going to get it anyways, and I'm using the PS4 on a daily or almost daily basis. And that's where my friend was who picked up the 1X as well, too, on day one. Um, he's a primary Xbox user. He was having several issues with his orig original launch day Xbox One, and he plays on that every single day. And to him, the changes were good enough. They were drastic enough, even before the games were being patched, like... He was playing through a little bit of Final Fantasy 15. He was like, yeah, this is playing so much smoother than it did before. So, you know, it depends on the person. But I'm one of those people here, kind of going back to this. I think this is a nice option. But don't forget also, this is two years. Within the next year, or definitely two, the Xbox One X is going to be on sale multiple times. There's going to be multiple different opportunities to get it discounted. There's going to be at least a price drop. At least... I can see this easily going to $450, if not $400. So this is going to drop. So my, my opinion on this, if you are thinking of doing this, instead of spending $35 per month on this Xbox One with the two services, save up that $35 a month to get your system so you can just pay it outright. Um, because I understand sometimes, you know, it could be unavoidable. But for the most part, it's really good to go into debt over some that you pay property tax on, like a car or a house. Sometimes it could be unavoidable. As I said, like I'm not trying to be ignorant on that. Um, but really, a game system, not really the thing that you should be putting up a contract for. I'll just say that. The reason why I said it's not terrible is because... If you end up buying a game system through a rent-to-own place, such as like getting a PS4 through Rent-A-Center, you might get a $400 PS4 and do a 12-month rent-to-own, and by the end of those 12 months, you've paid $600 to $650 for a $400 console. That's why I initially said this isn't terrible, because I'm like, oh, well, at the end of a 24-month period, you're actually saving $20. Like you're it's not like something where if you buy all this individually it's 860, but if you buy it through the program you're paying $1000. No, you're actually in the end paying $20 less. So that's respectable, at least to me. That's respectable. <laughs> but let me know what your thoughts are on all of that. Um I guess this would be the end here. And I was just thinking the reason why I paused is because I was thinking of a good topic like not 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 topic but a good keyword if you made it to the end of this podcast here uh if you're watching on youtube you know please drop the comment down below if you're listening it'd be great if you dropped a comment on the youtube video uh just to let me know that you got to the end and the keyword is going to be netflix so what do you think of netflix what do you think of the netflixization netflixization i guess that's how you say it the netflix model of services such as this where you have music services that have this you have xbox game pass now xbox all access that has xbox game pass where it is literally the netflix version of video games so what are your thoughts on the Netflixication, Netflixification of everything, the Netflix model? Just if you use the word Netflix, keyword Netflix in your comment, I know you made it to the end of the video and I'd like to know your thoughts.
Anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for watching and listening, everyone. If you enjoyed this video and you're checking it out on YouTube, a like would absolutely be appreciated. If you enjoyed the podcast, please feel free to subscribe. Until next month, I'll, I guess I'll be talking to you then.